Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election and its aftermath, up to and including events that will transpire this week and forever onward into the foreseeable future in this and all known universes. I am David, and I am joined by two friends this week. One is Starly. Hello, Starly. Hi. And the other is John. Hi, John. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Oh, I forgot. Happy New Year to one and all. Thank you for Happy keeping election profit makers as one of your New Year's resolutions. Are you saying to John or to the listeners? I'm saying it to the listeners because I've already wished John a Happy New Year's in private correspondence. Um, John, did you get my holiday card? Have you checked your mail in the last month? Uh, yeah, I did. I did get your holiday card. Thank okay, you so just much. Just checking. That was really nice. We have an amazing, amazing episode this week with many, many topics, because as many of you know, this week, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. This week is could prove to be monumental in American history. I don't mean to overstate the case, but it could at the very least be somewhat interesting. Namely, we have a Senate runoff race in Georgia tomorrow, Tuesday, which might be the day that you're listening to my words, followed by on Wednesday, what might be a real kerfuffle of Congress certifying the Electoral College votes uh, and certifying President Biden as the next president. We'll get to all that in a minute, but we have some other topics that we want to address first because these topics are simultaneously more pressing and more important. The first of which is that John Kimball, Long John Silver, Helicopter Tony's minion on this earthly plane, has indeed finally purchased a new car financed by his predicted winnings. John, tell us about your new car. Oh, it feels so indulgent. No, you deserve uh, it. Yeah, I have a new car that goes. I mean, it goes up hills and downhills (laughs) and takes turns and it no it's a night it's a Mazda 3 uh hatchback it's it's uh it's a pretty sweet sporty little car um so I'm excited it's zippy yeah it is (laughs) John looks so happy right now he does it's like he won the election all over again (laughs) congratulations John yeah what color it's dark blue so Ooh, I, need, I like uh, that. I'll, I'll mm. have to put some Carolina stickers on it to, because around here, dark blue generally denotes that you're connected to Duke. So, uh, but it, yes, it's a good color. It's good. The color wasn't crucial to me. Did you pick that color though? Uh, yeah, it was either that or white. So, you know, it was, a, it was I, I negotiated the deal on New Year's Eve. So it was one of those things where it was what was on the lot and got a really good deal. And that's how, uh, that's, that's mainly what I wanted, was a good deal. And over on patreon.com slash election profit makers, we solicited ideas for John to get a personalized license plate for his new car, his Mazda 3, a.k.a. the Predicted Mobile, <laughs> a.k.a. the Hill Climber and Descender, yeah. a.k.a. the Hill Dominator, a.k.a. the Triassic Basin um, Blaster. John, tell us your. We got a lot of submissions on these on these license plates. We got some good license plate submissions. Oh, they were they were great. Give me your favorites. Which one are you going to pick? Hmm. Well, one of them was Mouse Daddy. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that would confuse people. Gainan probably got the most votes. That was popular. With Gainan with a I N or G? Yeah, with an I N. Although in North Carolina, you could get Gaining with a G or Gainan with a apostrophe after it, because we actually have eight we're allowed. 
Eight character license plate state, North Carolina. What is the official spelling of gaining? You know what? Hmm. There's not actually a style guide on it. Uh, it, it because there, there are times where I use the hard G on it. There's other times where I, I, I don't think I put the apostrophe on it too much. But you have. I don't think I do. Because on Twitter, I feel I'm always trying to look at you for reference, and it's been hard for me to ascertain. I hate that you brought this up because it's been bothering me for years. Well, I think it's time to get to the bottom of it. We can start, it can, it can be a reset. New year, new, we could establish the style guide. Okay. Do you prefer the I-N or I-N-G? What feels right? What feels the most like it's game? I think the I-N feels right, yeah. Okay, me too. I concur. That also would look very good on a license plate. Yeah. yeah. G-A-I-N-I-N. Would you be able to go with that? Uh, I, I haven't been able to check to see if it's available because North Carolina used to have that uh, license plate who is thing. Guys like me would be hitting that up all the time and it probably got overrun. So it's been taken offline now. I don't know how you figure out what's available now. Once you ran out of like domain names and bit.ly links that you were yeah. generating, you just would like idly scroll through the, lic- the available license plates? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll take a screenshot of all the cool ones that were available. To make money off of? I don't know, just to think about. Okay. <laughs> so we have Mouse Daddy, we have Gainin. What else? Um, somebody suggested negative risk, you know, a minus sign risk. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I thought the negative risk was good too. Long John. I bet Long John is taken. Probably. Uh, Hurt God, that's a good one. Mm. Uh, mm. Hail Satan, H-L-S-8-T-N. Oh, right. Okay. Mega bucks. I really like that one. No. No. But that's what paid for the car. You're not having MAGA on your car. That's not how you're starting this year. Mm. Forbid blocking. Okay. And then there were various uh, iterations of Helicopter Tony, Copter Tony, things like that. And then the one that got the most votes uh, or likes uh, was EPM Cool. <coughs> So, <laughs> you have to get that. I think it would be between EPM Cool and um, probably Gainan. Are you going to do it? Are you going to get one of those? I, I'm not a personalized license plate kind of guy. I can't believe that. I, you are the most personalized license plate guy I can possibly imagine. Really? I've never had a personalized license plate. But you love... Links and we've never even talked about his custom telephone number days. Actually, you know what? I take back what I said. I take back what I said because what John is is someone who loves randomly generated license plates that look cool or have interesting yes. lexical or numerical properties. So, yes. John, if you're in a car with John and you're driving along, John's not the kind of guy who says, oh, look at that license plate. It says UNC fan. That's a cool license plate. He'll be like, look at that license plate. It says 11X5GG92. That's so interesting because nine is the ninth letter in the in the one through tens and G is the, ni-, you know, like that kind of stuff. Or he'll be like, right. oh, CCL124. That's a very strong license plate. Wow, that is a strong license plate. Because you like, because you know how rare the combinations are together. Yeah, you know when you see when you see a license plate like uh, a one one one, you know, or a one 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 in North it's Carolina, like you have three sevens. letters and then four numbers. Yeah, 
And that's rare? Or, you know, quadruple sevens. Yeah, those are rare. You know, only every um, 10,000 or so that you would get that. I used to look up and just see, the, see if I could find the lowest number possible, you know, like 52. Have a North Carolina plate that just said 52. That would look pretty cool, right? Everyone would assume it was a basketball player jersey number. It, they'd assume it was James Worthy. Yep. What do you have against James Worthy? Nothing. James Worthy is my mother's no. favorite UNC basketball player of all time, and probably mine too. I love James Worthy. Then win-win. You make your mother happy, make John happy. John, get 52. Get 52. All right, I'll look into it. But thanks, everybody, for, for the suggestions. Congrats I'm on, on your s- car. Sorry, I stepped on you. I apologize. Go ahead. Okay. I just was congratulating your you know oldest friend on his car, but tall. You can go ahead. He's <laughs> 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 finally getting to move, drive up a hill. <laughs> I can't believe John can drive up hills now. It's like totally—I have, I have to recalibrate my perceptions of my old friend John, the hill, the hill master— the hill climber. It is amazing. Let's move now from the pressing issue of license plates to the ever more pressing and evergreen issue of effects pedals. This is something that went on Twitter that captured my heart, which is that apparently in Italy, there's a conspiracy going around about the microchip that is being included in the COVID vaccines. But apparently the diagram that pretends to show this microchip is actually the schematic for an effects pedal. Yes, they are putting effects pedals in the COVID vaccine. This is designed to tickle Kid Midas' fancy. And I'm happy to report that as of this morning, there has been a breakthrough and somebody has actually identified the effects pedal. Really? That that schematic represents. And it is an iconic, iconic effects pedal. You couldn't ask for a better effects pedal to internalize as part of taking the COVID vaccine. It is the Boss Heavy Metal 2. This is a major, major uh, distortion pedal that is probably in the in the pedal toolkit of 90% of all harsh noise artists. So we just want to, I don't know who we thank. I don't know if we thank the Italian conspiracy theorists who really think this is a microchip inside the COVID vaccine. I don't know if we thank Boss for creating such an iconic noise-making pedal that it is now going to be administered by force to all right-thinking citizens of this earth. We always want to look for effects pedals in the news. And this was a major, major effects pedal related news story slash unfounded Twitter conspiracy. And I couldn't be more pleased. I just want to say that if Jimmy Fallon is listening, I am prepared to write you a 45-minute opening monologue, comedic monologue about the fact that the COVID vaccine contains an effects pedal chip. I got jokes for days on this topic. (laughs) That's a legitimate offer, right? This is a legit. Oh, this is hundred percent legitimate. Yeah, you, only Jimmy Fallon. It has to be Jimmy Fallon. It has to be Jimmy Fallon because I think he plays guitar. Oh, all right. Conan O'Brien plays guitar too. I think. I kind of like they all play guitar. <laughs> oh, ouch. Well, I mean, guitar is what people. A lot of people play guitar. That wasn't a diss. No, you're right. You're right. Forty-five minutes of COVID vaccine uh, effects pedal chip humor available to the highest bidder of late night hosts. 45 solid minutes, too. This is not one of those things where I stumble around and look at my notepad and I'm like, let's see, what else do I have? What else do I have? No, this is 45 tight minutes. Election pedal makers. Yo, you come for the politics, you stay for the pedals. Let's get to the news. Saturday, I think, was a huge day in American history for two reasons. Two major things happened on Saturday. One was that the vice president signaled his support for this whatever's going to happen on Wednesday. And then two, Trump had the most amazing phone call. 
And I haven't listened to this phone call. John and Starley, I think, have both listened to this phone call, and I can't wait to hear about it. And meanwhile, I was trading like a fiend on the news that Ted Cruz was getting involved in contesting this election. So where should we start? Why don't we start with this phone call? John and Starley, give me a recap of this phone call. Okay. You haven't listened to any of it. I heard greatest hits. I heard greatest hits. It's my favorite podcast. I'm jealous of it. <laughs> what, what is it called? <laughs> is it called, it's called Trump's phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State, a one-episode wonder sponsored by Blue Apron? It's called exactly, let's get the exact title. My favorite podcast is called... The full transcript and audio of the call between Trump and Raff. <laughs> That's my favorite podcast title. Does it have bed music? That's my favorite podcast title. <laughs> yeah, Trump berates Georgia Secretary of State, urges him to find votes. That'd be the, that'd be the episode description, though. Right. What yeah. John said is the title. Yeah. I've made a lot of podcasts in my day. I'll never make a more uh, riveting podcast than this. I was upset when it was over. I found every single second of it gold. There was no fat to cut out. I listened to the whole thing twice, the hour. Are you serious? Twice. Yeah, me too. You guys both listened to this thing twice? Spent two hours, yeah. Yeah, I've recommended it to friends. I've gotten the download numbers up, surely. Like, it's probably the highest rated podcast now after, like, the recommendations I've made for this thing. I listened to The Greatest Hits, four minutes of Trump, like, you know, simultaneously berating and begging and bullying, bloviating. And I don't think he ever begs. Uh, he did, didn't he kind of beg a little? Yeah, he seems pretty pretty desperate. Asking the Georgia Secretary of State to find the votes. He was like, are you sure? Are you sure? No, no, no. See, I have. I think that's a mischaracterization already. Okay. You listened to the whole thing twice, so tell me what you heard that, that I didn't hear. I, I think the defining thing about that podcast, what, I, what it revealed to me is even more than Trump's narcissism— which we always see. His narcissism was there. It peaked out plenty. There's an incredible moment where he says, he's like conflating the overseas votes, the military votes, and and they say, well, like military tends to vote red, but regular people overseas tend to vote blue. And Trump's like, I'm not even talking about that, but I also got those overseas votes. I got those too. Like his narcissism is always there. It's incredible. But I think what it reveals more than anything is that he his thuggery. It felt like listening in on a mob boss's call. It's like the Ukraine call, the one that got him impeached, right? Yes. Towards the end, you actually hear him um, allude to a hit. Like, he's not actually saying it's like a hit on someone's life, but he's talking about it in that way. He uses the language that you talk about when mob when mob bosses are like, I don't want to, I don't want to resort to to that measure. Right. This could be bad for you. His worldview is that corruption is how the world works. So he truly doesn't understand why they can't work out something. He's confused. He's insane in it, but it's not because he's like, he thinks that it's not going to work out for him. John, what did you take away from the full one-hour unedited podcast? I, I would say putting the the legality and the, the morality aside, listening to Trump on, on the Georgia call, I mean, it just shows how plain dumb he is. Now, wait just one minute, John. What do you mean by that? He, he just doesn't make a single logical argument the entire time. And you could, and there are ways to make a logical argument, even with all of the flawed data, but he just cannot do it. 
He just goes from one thing to the next. And what about this? Oh, okay, you don't count that. Well, what about this? Um, and the way, he, the way he's negotiating the actual vote totals as if it's uh, almost um, money he's talking about. Like, come on. Come on, it's just, it's just this many votes. That's all I need. It's you, it's, you, it's, you, it's you bargaining for your new car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Glengler again Ross. It's truly listening to a salesman who has to have his leads, his bum leads sold by the end of the day. It is exactly like that play. Miss Rogers, I'm only in town for three hours. Um, Alice, can you make sure that we can reschedule my flight? Yes, first class, dear. I'm only in town for three hours, and I would love to mm-hmm. get to meet you for this amazing Oceanside property. Yeah, this is Shelly Levine here. Shelly Levine, the machine. Can't you find me 11,000 votes? We just need 11,000 votes here, mister. Just enough to put us over the top. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, I think I can reschedule. Yes, let's just try to make this happen. I'm coming to your house right now. I'm outside your door right now. I'm knocking on your door right now. I'm inside your house right now. I'm wet. I'm wearing my wet raincoat. Yes, that's what it is. He has to close on these leads. And it's that negotiating tactic of starting with the bad deal at top. And then if you... Once you get that out of the way, you're left with this little amount and anyone can come up with that. And they're just sitting there just, no, no, no. Mr. President, the problem is you just don't have the facts on your side. And can we do this? No, we can't do that. Well, did this happen? No. Well, did they move the machines? No. Well, did they move parts of the machines? No, Mr. President. I mean, he got into <laughs> circumventing because he was like, I heard they moved the machines. And they were like, no, they didn't move the machines. And Trump was like, no, I heard they moved the insides of the machines yeah. and replaced them <laughs> with new insides. I heard that on the short version I listened to. I was like, this motherfucker is talking about circumventing voting machines. This is my president. This guy's a tinkerer. This guy's probably reading boingboing.net all damn day, subscribing to Make Magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's how to turn an electric fly swatter into a guitar for your kid to play with. I mean... This guy's imagination is insane. They probably do have a fucking heavy metal pedal up in a COVID vaccine with this tinkerer in chief. Imagine getting, knowing that Trump called you 18 times and then finally allowing him to get on the call and that's what you hear. Here's what I don't understand. I mean, I guess I do understand it, but I think it'll be clarifying if I say it out loud. So Trump is obviously completely desperate to stay in the office no matter what. And it's my conviction and always has been that he will stop at literally nothing in order to stay in the White House. Like, I I really do believe he would drop a bomb on a state if it meant he could stay in the White House. One of the reasons he wants to stay is because once he's out of the White House, he'll be liable for a lot of criminal acts. We know that everyone in New York, the attorney general and the district attorney are preparing a bunch of cases about him for tax fraud and all that. He also is going to, according to that amazing Jane Mayer article in The New Yorker, going to be personally responsible for $300 million, personally responsible for $300 million in the next four years in real estate. And then according to the Financial Times, $900 million of debt is going to come due in the next four years. He has all that. But, the, but, but now the only way he can stay in office is to commit felonies like election interference, which are going to make it even worse for him once he leaves office. So he's in an impossible cycle right now where the desperation he has to stay in office is only going to mean he commits criminal acts that are going to make things even worse for him when he leaves office. The thing that I can't get over is this guy is such an idiot that, yes, he does talk like a mob boss. And like in Ukraine, you know, the Ukraine calls, he was, you know, leaning on them, but he rarely came out and said anything truly incriminating. Here, the fact that he goes in and says, find me the votes I need to win by one vote 
Instead of saying, listen, guys, there's been a lot of arguments about this election, and we just want to make sure it's fair and that every vote has been counted. And if that means that I win, that's great. But really, we just want everything to be fair, you know? And if, if he was on a Zoom call, he could have let his body language do the work. But instead, he literally just came out and said it. He said, I don't care what it takes. Find me enough votes to win by one vote. That's just another felony. You just made things worse for yourself, fella. It's because it's it's the pathology is so intense in this call. That's what you understand. I didn't know that he believed it until now. He really does believe he won. Oh, I see. Like I don't I don't think it's about him wanting to stay in the White House. There's nothing rational happening in his mind anymore. There's nothing even strategic happening. He actually does believe he's won. He's become the mad king. He's King Lair. He's the mad king from Game of Thrones. King George running around in his underwear. Yeah. He's he's actually snapped, and I think what happened is it's because the other Republicans won. He's the loser. That's what hurts. That's what's got to bum him out. So he knows it's personal. He truly can't believe that he helped these guys. He, at some point, he says when he helped, um, what's the governor's name um, in Georgia? Brian Kemp. He said, I was a schmuck. I endorsed this guy. And it's just such a Jewish delivery from being around Jews his entire life. I was a schmuck. What are you going to do? He gets a little selfie as a little bit of a pity party every so often. I think he feels used. He's the one that has been cast out. That's, he doesn't care about the Republican Party. He doesn't care if he's going to take them down with them. He does not understand how they could have won and he lost when he was the one that everyone loves and he's the one who helped these people. And so now he's just like, it just doesn't make sense. We have to make it make sense. And then the way he makes it make sense is through the tactics he's Mm. always used. He would have much preferred it if the Republicans had been defeated all up and down the ballot because then he could have said, I lost because the Republican Party dragged me down. These schmucks. But when the Republicans win in the same state that he loses, oh, buddy, you're the schmuck. If you're standing in a room with a bunch of people and you don't see the schmuck, that means you're the schmuck. And it also points to this impossible situation that a lot of these down-ballot people are in. We have these congressional and Senate Republicans who have to come out and say the election was rigged, but it's an election that they won. I mean, that's like that's like Schrodinger's Knot or Girdle's Knot or whatever that big-ass book was about. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> I mean, that's that's a real that's a tough that's a tough invisible cat to eat its own tail. You know what I mean? It's like you're going to say the election that you won is corrupt because your boss, big daddy, number one schmuck tinkerer, President Trump lost. Yeah, and he's doing it two days before this Georgia election where, where the Republicans could win. In the, On the call, he's screaming about Georgia. The One of the best parts, John, don't you? would you agree, is when he— he says he does not accept that people would ever move back to Georgia because why would they want to live in Georgia? <laughs> yeah, so, the, yeah, they're talking about there was a case where there are 4,000 people that they have found that lived in Georgia and then were also in other states. So they investigated it, and they're like, yeah, we've investigated it, and these people did vote in those states, and then they moved back to Georgia. That's what people do all the time. They leave home, they go someplace else, and then a sure. few years later right. they move back. And he's like, nah. He's like, it doesn't make sense. You guys are suckers. You really believe this. Wow. He goes, you're going to say that the people are going to move back to Georgia? Come on. Yeah. Who would do that? (laughs) Wow. I will say that the one thing I like about Trump forever is he is such a New York snob. I mean, it complicates my narrative now that he wants to live in Florida, but that's such a New York thing to do. Once you've tasted the good life in Manhattan, why would you ever move back to Georgia? 
And he's saying this to the Secretary of State. He's just screaming, insulting Georgia left and right, right before this election, yeah. where he wants people, Republicans to come out and vote for Republicans. So th- that's the question. That's the question. Does this have an impact at this point? You know, he's got this big rally tonight. I know, Starley, I was going to tell you, he's, your favorite podcast has a live yeah. episode taping tonight in Georgia. <laughs> You've got to watch it. It's going to be really crazy. It's like, wait, wait, don't tell me. Right, yeah. So tonight he's rallying in support of Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue in these uh, Georgia Senate runoffs, which take place on Tuesday. He's going to be in up in northwest Georgia in a congressional district that actually has pretty low turnout for Republicans right now. It's actually the congressional district mm-hmm. that uh, Marjorie... Um, Taylor Green, the QAnon representative that just got elected from Georgia. Oh, the QAnon rep, right. Cool, cool. And it has really low numbers, probably because QAnon people are thinking they shouldn't be voting because, you know, it's all a big scam. Guitar pedals. So uh-huh. is Trump is going to try to get the Q people out. And is it going to work? I kind of think it might. I kind of think it will. Wait. How can he get them out if he's saying that the inside of the machines are, are you know, are, are rotten? I mean, I know those people are so crazy, but you, he can't be arguing for people to vote if he's saying that the voting machines and the voting system in Georgia doesn't work. Like it just- but he will. He will. He argues all sides of everything. And I think, I really think the key is that if they can be angry and excited during the rally, listening yeah. to what he says, and also be angry and excited in the voting booth when they vote, then they'll do both things. They make no sense. They contradict each other, but it's all about the feelings. Feelings don't care about your facts. I think the leaking of this tape could backfire. I think it could actually pump up the MAGA crowd. He's been stabbed in the back, you know? Right, right. Well, you saw those, those like, mob tweets, too, where they're like, secretaries of state don't break the code of silence. Like, the way that they're, ta- like, the, the, the... The bro code. You're never supposed to leak a private phone call, one-party consent phone call with your bro. But Trump leaked it first, and that's, that's what the secretary of state said when he had his press conference today. He just said, look, I wouldn't have come out and, and leaked this. He said, but Trump came out and, and tweeted about our, our conversation and told a bunch of lies about it. So we knew this might happen, so we recorded it, and he, he forced us to release it. And then he also said, you know, Lindsey Graham had called and put pressure on them earlier, and he's like, I wish I'd recorded that call as well. Oh, God. Another podcast episode. If Lindsey Graham called up Starly, because you know Lindsey Graham's podcast ad reads would be hot fire. Hot (laughs) fire. We work. (laughs) Lindsey Graham doing the ad reads. Oh, my goodness gracious. For Squarespace. I did enjoy the the Secretary of State's press conference. That was fun for me because he's, I like how fired up he is. I like. It felt like uh, they had all had a lot of coffee or cocaine. David, is Glenn Glegg and Ross your favorite play? How do you know it so well? I rewatched it last month in order to get motivated to do something. I can't remember what I was getting motivated. Oh, phone banking. I watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross to get motivated for phone banking. And I have another question. Cleta is Trump's lawyer. There were moments, David, on the long on the long version where his lawyer would try to talk up and he at one point said, no, not you, Cleta. I don't want to hear from you. Class act all the way. Because I didn't realize that she was on his team the first listen. No, neither did I. Yeah. 
That that was a rewarding second listen. (laughs) I mean, I really can't Uh, recommend it enough. Five stars. Rate and review it in the iTunes store. Maybe I'll listen to it. I don't know. I I usually don't like listening to new podcasts, but you guys are really making me think I should give it a listen. I was really surprised. after I listened to the highlights first, and I thought— now I'm going to listen to the whole one-hour thing. It's not going to be good. And no, it was, a, it was better. It was much better than the highlights. I can't believe it. None of it's surprising. It's just, it's just well-produced. <laughs> yeah. It's good fan service to those of us who appreciate um, what he's capable of. The one thing that surprised me, though, was that how much he believed it. From now until the rest of his life, this is what he'll be talking about. Oh, you don't think he's going to let this issue go? No, but I I don't think we'll ever hear (laughs) him talk about anything else. I think it is going to be a a raving lunatic walking into Uh the mist. Over the moors. When he relocates to Abu Dhabi and walks over the mists of Abu Dhabi muttering about Georgia and how they— how they mixed up the insides of the voting machines, and now <laughs> the guitar pedals are the voting machines, and the voting machines are the guitar pedals, and I'm such a schmuck for believing in any of it. So, John, when it comes to Georgia, you say you you think maybe this will actually help drive Republican turnout in the Senate runoffs, but predict it is flipping now. Those Georgia Senate races flipped blue, at least earlier today, and we should acknowledge right now that predict it our beloved betting website, is more or less completely inaccessible by laptop. I've only been able to look at it over the last 24 hours on my phone, which is a damn shame because I had some long-held positions that really paid off. I made money on Ted Cruz formally objecting to the results of the election. Always bet on Ted Cruz doing the most debased and pathetic and, and cynical thing possible. I'd made money on that. I have a position, no, in bracket B2, on how many senators will object to the election. B2 is two senators. I figured it was going to definitely not be two senators. It was either going to be one senator or 10,000 Republican senators. So my position of no, two is looking good. And I'm happy to say a long delayed vindication in my wisdom. I think for the first time ever, will Trump self-pardon before the end of his term briefly was in the green I've always said that the self-pardon is the mic drop. And I think after committing a felony on tape over the course of this weekend that everyone had occasion to hear, a self-pardon is now much more likely. So thank you to—I'm talking to my own brain right now. Thank you, brain, for your wisdom. I hope we can continue to make money because Pete Buttigieg being the secretary of transportation fucking kicked my ass six ways to Sunday, and I'm still, I still need to recover financially from that. John, what is your position literally and figuratively about these Senate races in Georgia on Tuesday? I don't have a position right now. You don't have any money in it, right? You got your car and you're like, the country can go fuck itself. I'm driving up these hills. I really don't know how to play this. It's going to be so close. I believe it's going to be so close. And my my brain is telling me that the Republicans are favored. Yeah. Or maybe it's my, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my gut, not my brain. Because I think a lot of the data out there shows that the Democrats have done really well with early voting. They've actually done better than they uh, did during the November general election. It's just a matter of whether that makes a difference because the Republicans, all they need is is a big election day turnout and they could easily get it. 
So I, I, look, it's going to be really close. So maybe the markets to play are what the turnout's going to be, what's the margin of victory going to be, um, Those are and so not hard. necessarily who's going. Yeah, it's all hard. As I said last week, it's all pretty complicated. <sighs> you know, January sixth is going to be way more complicated than January fifth. Oh, Wednesday, that's going to be normal and fun. They have two hours to debate. Good lord, yeah. Uh, oh, what a fucking mess! What a mess that is going to be. Yeah, you got you got how many senators are going to ob- object? And the objection has to be in writing. So one senator could object and then a bunch of other senators could vote along with that objection for that objection, but not necessarily sign on to it. Right. So then does it count or not? It just seems like a a rules uh, disaster potentially. Here's my question. Josh Hawley was the one who set all these markets, all these um, objection markets going crazy a few days ago when he was the first senator to announce that he was going to formally object. This is Josh Hawley, the 41-year-old, fuck my life, Republican senator from Missouri. How did? How is Ted Cruz now the face of this? How did Ted Cruz t- bogart Josh Hawley's treasonous actions? If I was Josh Hawley, I would be so pissed at Ted Cruz right now. Because now all you hear about is Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. And I'm like, listen, I hate to be an indie snob, but this song was better when it was Josh Hawley's performance. Josh Hawley is the OG trader here. How did Ted Cruz get leapfrog him? Right. I think Ted Cruz just lost another friend. And I'm not sure how many friends Ted Cruz can spare at this point. Because from what I understand, he's a relatively unpopular person. Yes. But kudos to Ted Cruz. But he just got like 10 new friends. Who? Those, Those little gang of senators that he's leading. Yeah. The Cruise 10. But you know what, Starley? Those are false friends. This is like Trump's New Year's Eve party. Ted Cruz only has those friends because Ted Cruz is now the forward tip of the spear of, of objecting to the election. But those people aren't really Ted Cruz's friends. But here's the thing about the New Year's Eve party analogy. I think we were actually wrong about that because those people went to that New Year's Eve party. Trump didn't show up for his own party and they were bummed and they missed him. So those people who came to the party actually are Trump's real friends. This is the Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve party that was held featuring Vanilla Ice and the pop group Berlin, who I guess literally played their hit song, Take My Breath Away. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) Uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle leaked footage of her rapping along with Vanilla Ice. I mean, Cocaine City. Woo! Can Cocaine City have two mayors? Trump decided not to show up, I guess because he was planning his podcast debut. <laughs> a lot of planning right? goes into that. He was that. going over his bullet points. He was sulking somewhere in his castle. Oh, what a fairy tale world we live in. What a fairy tale world we live in. I think when those people are like, when it's a choice between Trump being my real friend and Giuliani being my real friend, I'm going to choose Trump. You don't want Giuliani. Giuliani oozing up to you, trailing slime in his wake like a slug. Hello there. I want to talk to you about, uh, yeah, that's probably true. So I agree with you, John. Georgia is too close to call. My gut, I mean, I'll just say this. If they pull it off, if if Ossoff and Warnock pull off Georgia, I mean, forget about it. That's so insane. That would be that would be absolutely glorious. So go watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross if you need to motivate yourself for some last-minute phone banking. Um, a Georgia market that I did get into is will Kelly Loeffler sign a formal objection to presidential election results? And I did— Put money on yes for that. That's very smart. I think she has to publicly pledge allegiance to Trump so that his supporters will vote for her on Tuesday. Yeah, and that's only at 43. So it seems like if you really are fiending for a Georgia market to buy into, might I recommend that one? Duly noted. 
recommendation. It's time for uh, Kid Midas's um, Pedal Yenta FX Pedal Missed Connections. Now, last week was very frustrating because I had some unfulfilled missed connections. This week, I'm very happy to report that we are starting to make these connections. If you care at all about the COVID vaccine and what microchips are inside of it, if you care about the voting booths in Georgia and what chips are in those, you need to get on FX Pedal Missed Connections because our tentacles extend further than you may think. Some of you will remember that Paul had an unclaimed, unloved, missed connection. However, Paul, I'm happy to report that Tim has reached out to you about your Elise's MIDI verb. Tim writes, Hi, hopefully your listener Paul has not yet parted with his MIDI verb too, because I would love to have one. I used to work live sound, and the MIDI verb was my secret weapon to delight or annoy the fuck out of everyone because of its gated reverb on the snare just like Def Leppard used to do it. He says, I need that gated reverb back in my life. Unfortunately, I don't have any pedals to exchange, but pay these words heed, Paul. Tim does have an AI synthesis A1004 OTA voltage-controlled filter. He also has a Korg MS-20 style filter for Eurorack that he built himself, so you would be getting a handcrafted Eurorack module. And he says, it works fine, despite my meager soldering skills. I have fallen in love with the Mutable Instruments Ripples filter, so I don't use this VCF as much anymore. He says, I don't know if Eurorack units are allowed in the pedal exchange. But since the MIDI verb isn't a pedal either, I'm hoping this is okay. And I've never made a formal declaration about this, because Eurorack modules are outside my area of interest. But I do think in the sake of keeping the free flow and exchange of music gear going, and because no one is really responding to these pedals, we are going to widen the scope now. We do accept Eurorack modules. So, Paul, Tim concludes, if you're up for this trade, let's do it. Paul, if you're interested, I would be happy to put you in touch with Tim. You can get rid of your MIDI verb too, and you can pick up a nice voltage-controlled filter. Now, David writes in with an honest-to-goodness pedal exchange. Here's a missed connection from listener David. I have a pedal and a mini guitar head for trade. First, I have a 1980s Boss BF2 flanger with a Monte Alum mod. Now, I looked into this mod, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure most of you know. This replaces the electrolytic capacitor so that the flanger has a fuller, richer, rounder sound. He says, I bought this unit at a guitar shop down in Roanoke, Virginia, but I've never really found a use for it. So that one is up for trade. He says the head that he has is a Hotone AC-15 copy. I assume that's a Vox AC-15. It's called the Nano Legacy. I used it for a little bit, but I already have two tube amps, so it got pushed aside. If anyone is looking to trade either this modified Boss Flanger or this AC-15 copy head, get in touch, and I will put you in touch with David. Here's what David is looking for. Any overdrive pedal, or if you can't find an overdrive pedal, a classic treble boost. He says, thanks for the pedal connection. David, it is my pleasure, and it is our listeners' pleasure to listen to these requests for pedals. Let me just vamp about pedals for a minute. So um, I've spent the last year modifying delay pedals. That's my new thing, modifying analog delay pedals. I had a listener very kindly send in an Ibanez uh, analog delay that I modified, and then I took an old Arion delay that I had bought. I think I've talked about that before. And I modified it, and then I had a Behringer digital delay that I modified, and I didn't like the mod, so I opened it up again and started poking around in the circuit board sometime over the weekend, and then I actually shorted the entire pedal, and now I think I've just completely bricked 
that is to say, broken beyond any hope of repair, this digital pedal. And I did learn over the course of my investigations that when your skill level is at my level, which is to say not terrific, not good enough yet to be designing microchips that go into Italian iterations of the COVID-19 vaccine, but getting there, getting there day by day, step by step, it's best to work with analog delay pedals. Analog delay pedals are more rewarding to modify than digital delay pedals. That's just a little pedal wisdom from Kid Midas the original wave solderer, sharing that for you free of charge because your beloved listeners to our podcast election, election pedal hackers. I mean, Trump might be the original wave solderer now. Oh. He's older. Wow. Doing it longer. He is older. He is older. I know, you know who I bet has a lot of good pedals is Beto O'Rourke. I bet his pedal board is pretty sick. Yeah. I wonder if he has the Klon, the original Klon Centaur. That's a valuable pedal. I wonder, he probably doesn't though. I bet there's a Trump supporter who has the Klon Centaur. That's one of the world's most valuable pedals. Really? Yeah, it's an overdrive pedal, and now they go for like $5,000 each. Whoa. Yeah. I wonder if there's some like Republican blues guitarists who, who support Trump and also have a Klon Centaur. That would be incredible. What about Paul, Paul Ryan? Does he do guitars? He seems like someone who do guitars. He does weights. He does dumbbells. And backwards hats. Yes. The backwards hat of Paul Ryan. I forgot about his backwards hat. You don't think this goes toward, this is like adjacent to guitar pedals? Oh, it's definitely adjacent. It is dumbbells and guitar pedals. uh, The Venn diagram is pretty significant, I would imagine. But I can't see Paul Ryan noodling around with delays. I mean, maybe, you know, like an overdrive pedal or or a boss blues driver. You know, I just can't see him getting into the experimental now, maybe John Boehner, when he gets a you know a couple packs of cigarettes in him and a couple bottles of wine in him, maybe he, maybe he might get down on his knees and start turning some knobs on the Montreal Assembly Count to Five, you know, or the DOD Rubberneck, which is a pedal that a listener very recently sent me, a wonderful pedal, and I, I thank you for that. I could see Boehner doing that. I feel like they would have the expensive ones, though, because you know how, like, they're like, every time— uh, Senator objects to the stimulus bill being more, and then they, there's like, and then you can like Google Maps their house, and it's a sprawling estate. So I <laughs> feel like true, yeah. it, they would object to the stimulus bill, and then you would do like an eBay search and find yeah, that they yeah, bought yeah, the five thousand yeah. dollar one every time. They don't even right. use it. Celebrate withholding two thousand dollars from hardworking Americans by spending a spare two thousand dollars on like a you know a modified um, you know a tube screamer or something with the original eight hundred eight chip or whatever. Yeah. Do you think? Um Gingrich messes around with pedals? Hell no. Hell no. I had a dream about Callista Gingrich the other night. You dreamt about Newt Gingrich's wife, Callista? I I did, yeah. Um, What was the nature of that dream? Well, we were in a car, I know that. So this is about your new car, the triumph of your new car. Was it erotic? No, no. But, and I don't really remember the details, but it was really strange. It was you feeling guilty and undeserving of your new car. So then you had to insert a Republican into your dream to make you feel like, to, to tell you that you didn't deserve it. Wow. Ah. Or to make you feel like, this is, this is what happened. I buy a car and I'm a Republican now. Yeah. Just a greedy capitalist. Yeah, John got a, little cor- John got a little corporate. I mean, I have to say it's a total neo-lib centrist move to buy a new car that can go up hills. <laughs> right? I'm one of the halves now. I mean, you need to stay at the bottom of the hill with all of us, with all of us real lefties. You're looking down at us now. You're looking yeah. down at us in your Mazda 3. Three, I get it. Third-way centrist Democrats like Tony Blair up in here in his Mazda 3, right? 
Wow, triangulation. <laughs> Bill Clinton mobile over here. Oh my God, John, yeah. this friendship yeah. is over. You've been canceled, son. There's nothing more corporate than in buying a car New Year's Eve and that you're limited to the two colors to get the best deal. Mm-hmm. Blue, I get it. Blue lives matter. Wow, support the blue. Okay, John Kimball, we see no. you. Have, f- have fun driving around with Beckett in your car. We're going to be hanging out with Everett. You know what? One of those blue lives matter flags would, would match perfectly for this. You should get it. Because it's got a black interior, dark blue. You're yeah. basically driving a blue lives matter car. You're never going to get pulled over for speeding again. I cannot. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm having buyer's remorse. Well, you can always take the Election Profit Makers American Cucumbers Are Bountiful sticker and put it on your bumper, and that will cancel it out. Oh, that's a good idea. Our nice, yeah, our nice green me. oval stickers that say American Cucumbers Are Bountiful, they were sent to all $10 Patreons. And I think you qualify for that, John, so you could put that on your bumper sticker. Then people won't know what to think. Oh, my gosh. Then you're like Kelly Leffler and these other politicians who have to simultaneously say the elections were corrupt, but they also won their elections and everyone should vote. You're, you're driving a Blue Lives Matter car with, a, with an ACAP bumper <laughs> sticker. Wow, they might not even see you on the radar gun. They might shoot their point their radar gun at you, and then on the little screen on the radar gun, I just get a bunch of question marks. The radar gun's like, I don't even know what that was, fish or fowl, nor man nor beast. What past my radar zappers, I'll still never know. Oh, you can really flummox them, John. You could really give them a good flummoxing. All right, I'll do that. I got one right here. Where did that come from? Like behind your ear? How did you produce that? Where was it? It's like, hey, Sonny, you got a quarter in your ear. A cap sticker comes out of their ear. <laughs> <laughs> Starly, what's the what's yes. the word on EPM misconnections? A lot. So I've I've connected Kevin 2.0 with Anonymous. Anonymous has given us permission to use her name. Just huge. That'll make things easier. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. That's so breaking, breaking news. Her name is Grace. That's Anonymous's name. Um, Grace wrote us, she said, also for a sneak peek into the life of a 23-year-old, maybe this will offer some explanation as to why we're so goddamn lonely. When my college sent us home in March, we had no idea they weren't going to bring us back. I didn't say any goodbyes. Little did we know we'd never get to go back and we'd all be stuck at our parents' houses across the state, most of us being pretty far away from each other and, of course, not traveling to hang out. I graduated on the couch and started my first real job on the couch in May, still fully remote. Mm. Jesus, that really brings it home, huh? It does, yeah. yeah. Wow. My social life has pretty much been dwindled down to using my phone to keep my friendships alive. This is 23. I'm now mustering up as much patience as humanly possible as I wait for a vaccine to allow me to finally move out and expand my social circle as a post-grad adult. Yeah. So that's so that's why the 23-year-olds are lonely right now and mm-hmm. coming to us mm-hmm. because I, I imagine they can't get their parents to set them up with people. So we'll wait to hear the update for Grace and Kevin 2.0. I've also connected her to Sarah. Sarah, if you remember last week, wrote in and said, I would like to be Anonymous' friend. So that's happening as well. And then with um, Dan Bun, I'm going to be connecting him with Regan, who wrote in last week. Now we arrive at this week where we have an interesting dilemma. Go on. We've had three more people write in to be matched. Okay. They're all women. Oh, and these are all women looking for non-women. All women looking for non-women. Okay. See, I can't turn this. This is not going to become The Bachelor on on my watch. <laughs> I'm not going to be sending Why a not? bunch of women. Why it's, not? It's not? 
Because if it's going to be The Bachelor, then I have to be assured there's going to be a bachelorette then, too. It can't just be, like, me sending Dan a bunch of women. Okay, I understand. So let's read these bios, and if anyone's interested, they get in touch. Or if it doesn't work out with Dan and Regan, they can— I can send them the next one. Um, Okay, so we got a message from Maya. Maya writes, I just listened to the latest episode, and I'd like to enter the blossoming world of election profit makers' misconnections. Please connect me to whomever you think is a good fit. I'm attracted mostly to men, but interested in friendships with female EPM fans, too. I hope we can probably connect her with... Grace's text thread, maybe, or whoever wants to be friends with her. I wholeheartedly trust Starley's judgment as to matches. About me, I'm a 28-year-old woman living in the Bay Area, and I work in renewable energy. I love most anything outdoors, especially backpacking, running, and climbing, wonky policy conversations, and live music. A silver lining of COVID has been free time to adopt and to train an awesome trail running buddy, Cora. Thank you so much for the podcast and connecting us lonesome millennials. So that's Maya. Okay. Okay. Maya, 28, Bay Area. And then there's Kayla. Kayla wrote and said, My name is Kayla, and I'm a 28-year-old woman living in New York City. I've always thought a mutual love of election profit makers would be a great relationship starting point. It means a baseline level of compatibility across a number of important topics, including progressive politics, a wry sense of humor, and a love of skylines. In fact, during the election profit makers Thanksgiving potluck, I was unable to resist scrolling through the gallery of faces for anyone who might catch my eye. Oh, so when we had our $10 <laughs> Patreon potluck, somebody was taking a gander at that smorgasbord to see if there was anybody caught their fancy. Yeah. I like that. It was a, unbeknownst to us, it was almost like a single mingle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Of course, I had no intention of sending non-consensual, flirty private messages during a family gathering. But certainly I saw a few men who, in a different <laughs> context, I might strike up a conversation with at a party. Hi-ho. Yeah, wow. yeah and there's— guys. So if you're listening and you know and you were part of that potluck, she mm. could be talking about you. If you were a single guy in one of those little boxes, this is I feel like this is a really promising lead because you have, like, less chance of— rejection that way. Mm-hmm. She's already been she's already been eyeing you. She continues, so when at the end of the Christmas episode you opened your inbox for non-pedal misconnections, I decided now was my chance. To give someone an idea of my personality, my ideal pre-COVID Saturday would be shopping at a farmer's market, attempting an ambitious cooking baking project, and then either seeing a play or wandering a museum during an open bar night. God damn. So that's some real grown-up stuff, man. <laughs> wow. Okay, Maya. Okay. <laughs> the combination of the museum with the open bar night. I know, man. It's like, damn, someone was reading Time Out this week. <laughs> um, I'm currently single because my last partner had career ambitions that did not fit with my own life plans. I didn't want either of us to have to choose between our relationship and our careers, which I felt would only lead to resentment down the line. I mean, talk hmm. about maturity. Yeah. That's the most mature answer I've ever heard to that question in my life. <laughs> Um, also, I'm allergic to cats, and it's very and it's been very hard to find a decent man who doesn't have one. That's surprising to me. Whoa! I didn't know that decency and cats yeah, went together. Yeah. As for a potential partner, normally I'd say I'm not interested in long distance. Frankly, New Jersey is too far for me. But since I have no intention of leaving the house for the next several months, good citizen, I suppose now is as good a time as any to expand my dating radius, even if my preference is still New York City. Like I said, if they're election profit maker listeners, I'm fairly confident that we'll get along. So I suppose my only stipulation is that they're between the ages of 27 and 33 and not already in a monogamous relationship. 
John, I'm very glad that your parents are on the mend. I wish health and happiness to the three of you and to anyone listening. Happy New Year. No, oh, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, so then the last one we have, she didn't want to use her name. And she's recently gone through a breakup. Mm. She was just dumped, as she says. 2020 wanted to make sure that I had one more gut punch before it went out with both middle fingers in the air. I didn't (laughs) date this dude for very long, but it's one of my worst breakups, mostly because none of my friends can hug me or tell me in person it's going to be okay. Which it will, someday. I worry that I'm too old for your listeners, as they appear to be all 23. I'm going to be addressing that. But I'd like to take a stab at this anyway. I'm a 32-year-old woman who lives in North Carolina. I have a cat. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 32 I, is still so young. God yeah, I know. Damn. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. John's last car was older than 32. I know. Yeah. I know. I have a cat, I have a cat, an interesting but stressful job, and way too many books for my current bookshelf setup. I like to be outside and hike, quote unquote, but only if I don't have to camp. I'm looking for a dude who is compassionate and a good listener, isn't intimidated by smart women. Surely your listeners would be more evolved than that, but you never know. Isn't allergic to cats and likes to learn new things. I have a pretty great and full life, or do during a non-COVID time. I'm involved in my community, have great friends who live all over and like me to visit, and have plenty of hobbies that keep me busy. While I know I'm a whole person on my own, I'd like to have a partner to do things with too. This year has been tough to be single in a friend group full of marrieds. Seems like there are a lot of people judging my yearning for connection and loneliness when they have a partner at home. Wow. I know. We're not judging her. We like her. not, Not at all. I'm trying to remember your other question to the misconnection people. My most recent breakup, like within the week, a week ago, was because I wanted something serious and the dude did not. I think I'm single because I sometimes have a hard time opening up to people and being vulnerable. But I'm in therapy and working on that. If you ask my mom, I'm single because I'm too great, but that seems counterintuitive. (laughs) This feels way too long. Feel free to discard it. It was soothing just to get it all down. Please don't use my name because I stated above vulnerability. Love and hopes for a better 2021 to you, David and John. Okay, so lots of things to address in this. First of all, let's give her a name because anonymous is too confusing. Let's okay. let's give her a nickname. Let's call her Boss Heavy Metal HM2. Okay, Boss Heavy Metal HM2. Great, Boss Heavy Metal HM2. <laughs> that's a oh, that's a good name. So she'll break up a week ago. So we have to be very whoever I match her with has to be like I feel like very gentle. Um, And I want to say also Regan also went through a breakup during the pandemic. That's a hard thing to go through. We all had a hard time, but like going through a breakup in a pandemic and not having the other people around you and like having to be your own cheerleader for like thoughts that are deceptive to yourself. Right. Yeah. You're telling yourself a lot of things that aren't true. And like you, that's why you need other people to tell you they're not true because you can't tell yourself that. Um, The, the I feel like the being pressured, like it, it hurts to hear that she's has to explain why she doesn't want to be single. Like we, it's okay that you don't want to. Of course, you don't want to be single. You don't want to be. You're in a pandemic. It's so hard to be alone right now. And it's do even though you have a full life, you don't even have to uh, like explain that you have a full life. It's totally fine that you want to be in a relationship. And uh, there's a thing happening, I think because we had so many 23-year-olds applying, lonely 23-year-olds who are, have valid reason for being lonely, our matchmaking has become about young people. And so now there's a 32-year-old writing in and saying she feels too old, and I can't even imagine 
I mean, I'm starting to feel old reading these. So I just want to say, EPM matchmaking is open to all ages. You're never too old to be lonely. You're never too old to be looking for someone else. I want the 23-year-olds to not be lonely, but this is not just about 23-year-olds. And I want to say the same thing about the pedal exchange. We are not limited <laughs> to new pedals or mint, <laughs> near mint pedals. We, we we would love to get some vintage, real vintage. I mean, we have that, Elise's MIDI verb. That's nothing to shake a stick at. I think that affects unit is older than any of our human misconnections. But we yeah. are also more than more than willing to take on some real vintage pedals from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> so we should make that clear too. If you're sitting on a pedal and you think it's too old for pedal connections? No, no, no. You bring it on. The pedal Yenta will will make a connection happen with an old pedal. Yes. And if you're a single guy sending in a pedal, I'm curious why you're going for the pedal um, EPM EPM pedal matching and not the the EPM misconnections. I'm not. I don't know if this trend is going to continue. Where it's going to be like um, all the women sl- are yeah. are doing the human <laughs> connections and all the guys are doing the pedal connections. It's like a middle school dance. You got the boys on one side of the gym and the girls on the other side of the gym. Starley and I are sitting there chaperoning and DJing, and there's no kind of scene happening at this dance. No kind of scene happening at this dance. Pay attention to Georgia on Tuesday. Ooh, keep your fingers crossed. Watch Glengarry Glenn Ross if you need to get fired up for some last-minute phone banking. Wednesday is going to be a total circus on the floor of Congress. I can't wait to see how many senators finally object to the election results. Remember to check out every single bracket in the related prediction markets when it comes to the number of politicians objecting to the certification of the Electoral College votes. I'm going to say this. We did our, we released our new Patreon episode, Lonely in Space, uh, EPM Movie Club, specializing in films where people are lonely in space. In the course of recording that episode, I shared a story that my uncle – went to see 2001 in the theater in 1968 and then never went to the movies again. Well, I, that, and that fact made a huge impression on me as a young person. So this past Christmas, I spoke to my uncle and I asked him about that story. And he said, it is true. He went to go see 2001, which was, and I'm quoting him, very ahead of its time. But he did eventually return to the movies. 34 years later, After seeing 2001, he ventured once again into a darkened cinema to see a film. My question to you is, can you guess the film my uncle broke his 34-year-long post-2001 movie-seeing fast in order to witness on the big screen? Send your answer to— So it would have been— Don't don't, don't—let them do the math. Let them do the math. (laughs) 34 years— he did not go back to the movie theater, and then one movie drew him back. Send your guest to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you get the answer correct, I will send you a treat in the mail in the U.S. Postal Service. That's a good one. I like that. I know the answer. You do? Did I tell you? Is it Fahrenheit 9-11? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. When you sign up for our Patreon, you are helping this show exist. We don't really... We don't make money unless we make money on Predict It. Yeah, and through our Patreon. (laughs) 
So we extra appreciate you signing on to our Patreon. We love making the show, and the Patreon makes is what makes it possible. Next Patreon episode is going to be John, a topic of John Kimball's choosing, which he has not shared with us. But we're, we're very excited to see what John Kimball's special Patreon episode will be about. He is he, sure to pick a theme. Will it be cars that can travel uphill? Will it be classic randomized license plates of his childhood? Will it be the most aesthetically pleasing phone numbers in the 1888 domain space? Only time will tell. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. Send your election prediction, human connection, and effects pedal questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. It won't surprise you to hear that our uh, predicted promo offers have dropped off a cliff in the aftermath of the election. But I will emphasize, as I have proved this week with my own portfolio, there is still money to be made on Predictit. Go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show so you can get the show as quickly as possible. Go to davidreesrecords.bandcamp.com for the musical journey of a lifetime. bit.ly slash David Reese Records. That's the Bitly if you wanna if you're a Bitly snob and you'll only purchase experimental music albums by Bitly links. Thank you all to those who have purchased it. I will let everyone know when the cassette only edition is ready to drop. It's coming soon. 100 hand numbered cassettes of this record I made. For election profit makers, I'm Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. I am the one who put the Boss HM2 heavy metal chip into the COVID vaccine. Sue me now, thank me later. I'm saying goodbye to my friend Starly. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. And also saying goodbye to the hill climber himself. Toot toot in his Mazda Bye. 3. John, I'm not done. I'm not done defining you, okay. John. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I, I was out the door. I was getting ready to go for joy. Oh, okay. well, nothing would pain me more than to keep you from your pleasure in your car. Goodbye, John. Bye.